This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, everyone. Before we get started, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports podcasting experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. What's going on, good people? Welcome to this week's episode of the Temple of Hoop. As always, I am Maples, aka Coach Maples. I'm here with the homie, my bro. It's Kings, bro. What's going on with you, man? It's going good, doing good, living good. You know the, the usual. Yeah, so you can't, you can't complain. Uh, hopping right into it. Those those All Star starters dropped. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's do the West and East first. So West, Luca, Steph, LeBron, Jokic, Kawhi in the East. They went with uh, Kyrie, Bradley, KD, Giannis, and Embiid. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling we're going to have the same issue. So go ahead. What, what what was your? Do you have any issues at all with the with the ten players they picked? Number I think in the East. Issue. I think in the East it was actually the five you picked in the East, if I recall correctly. Yeah, so, yeah. When we that on, on 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 when we just talked about it, the 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 five Eastern picks, no issue because that was my five. Yeah. I figured that would be the case. You know, Bills averaging 35. No way the fans were going to leave him off. Right. And But uh, the West, number one, number one issue, man. How are you? How are you a starter? Bro, Are you, you're not even an A-seed, man. Like, I'm sorry. Like, what is Luka doing as a starter, man? Like, come on. Like, do we not see what Damian Lillard is doing without his yeah, number yeah, two yeah. and his number three, man? Like, like. You, like the media can't pick and choose when winning matters, man. Like they can't do that. Like, like you said, like you say that part of being the impactful player is that when the chips are down, you know, you can carry your team, you can lead your team to victory, you can lead your team to wins. That's what Dame isn't that what Dame is doing? Yeah, man. He, as far as I'm concerned, Dame is firmly in the MVP conversation. That that's where he's he is a, for me. So he's a top three candidate. Yeah, right. The criteria you pick: wins, stats. Are you carrying your team? Like, 
isn't he like he's an MVP candidate, legit top five? How is he not a starter? It's but you know they Ben had that Luca media hype. They were they were desperate to keep him in the MVP running even when he wasn't winning. So yeah, I, I, I just can't say I'm shocked. I think we both saw it. when they put him on a Christmas marquee with uh with LeBron. You kind of see what what the engine was getting behind as yeah. far as what's what's coming next. The team success hasn't hasn't been there this year. To be fair, it's two things in Luca's credit. To be fair. He's played every game. He has played incredible. And out of his own mouth, he said he felt like Dame deserved it. Yep. So, you know, you got you got to respect him for that. In the East, yep. I'm with you, I have no issues. I had, uh, you know, I had a little Celtic bias. I had JB starting. But like you said, I, I can't – I have no quarrel with it because the guy's averaging 35. So you kind of got to – you kind of got to throw him in there, right? You can't, you can't really push back against that. Other four guys I had um, sounds pretty spot on. Now let's get down to the nitty gritty. Right. So the, we'll do West one. first. Give me your seven reserves that you had for the Western Conference. Okay, here I'm. I'm gonna I'm gonna do it like this. I'm gonna give you the seven I have, and I'm gonna give you the replacement because we will have a replacement. Okay, okay, that's, that's, that's even better because you know because I was just gonna say who is your last cut, so that's that's even better. Yeah, so we gonna have a replacement because of AD. So I got seven: Dame, AD, PG, Devin Booker, Gobert. Donovan Mitchell, CP3. My AD replacement in the front court is Brandon Ingram. Oh, okay. Hmm. You know what's crazy? I promise y'all, we do not do this. I just, uh, when we did the show prep, I really literally DM'd him, just bring your all-star reserves ready. We have the same exact list, except my replacement is Zion. That's nuts. (laughs) (laughs) Same exact list. That's literally to the T. The same exact list. AD was there. He's not, he's not going to play because he's out for three and a half, three more weeks. Yep. So I gave it, you went, gave it to BI. I gave it to Zion because based on the tear, he had just been, I think he was doing something we haven't seen since Shaq with the pain points and dominating this side. And I, I think it it'll, probably go to, it'll probably go to Zion, honestly. Yeah, right, right. So I, I, I gave it to Zion. BI was, my last cut was BI. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm assuming your last cut was Zion. Was that it? Yeah, it was yeah, Zion so. or BI. <laughs> yeah, right. I wasn't gonna. And I wasn't gonna give the Pelicans two All Stars with being in. Yeah. They just. I just. I was. I just wasn't gonna do that. That wouldn't be right. Um, so it's not much to argue about there. <laughs> the East was a little trickier for me. I'm not gonna lie to you. The East cut was a little trickier for me. Um, it was. Who are your reserves for the East? And I'll give you mine. Yeah, I got my reserves. I mean, I got um, Tatum, Middleton, uh-huh. Jalen Brown, Harden, Zach Levine. Siakam and Sabonis. Woo, woo, woo. Yeah. Yeah. So let me see. Levine. Siakam. See. Ah, I know I'm make somebody <laughs> mad. See? Yeah. Okay. So here, here was mine. Uh, we were we saw eye to eye. I brought a dash pile. We both had Harden, both had Tatum, both had Sabonis, both had Middleton, both had JB. Um my last two spots instead of Levine and Siakam, I went with I went with Ben and Juju. Mm. I had to give Julius Randle mm. his due. I, yeah. I, Twenty-three and ten, efficient at all three levels, defending. The net, the Knicks are in the seventh seed right now. They're almost about to, with another little push, can avoid the avoid the play-in. It's just uh, I had to give it up to Juju, man. You know the the. the you know me, I'm, I'm I'm showing baby Laker love anytime I get a chance to, man. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm not mad at Siakam given how the Raptors have turned around. It was interesting mm-hmm. because 
the Raptor I was going to give it to was going to be Van Fleet. Yeah, I seen somebody give it to Van Fleet. Yeah, so that, was, that, was, you know, I'm not mad at Siakam, though. I see that. Um, in fact, before I, we came on 30 minutes before I was watching some of that Sixers game, Sixers-Raptors game, nobody's going to want to play that Toronto team, man. They're, they're, they mm. probably got comfortable in, in, in Tampa Bay. Yep. They got some of that uh, moxie back. Nobody's going to want to play that team early, man. Nobody's going to want to play that team early. But I'm not mad. It hurt because, you know, I'm a big Levine guy. Yeah. That one kind of hurt. I wanted to put, I wanted to put him in over Middleton, but I was like, nah, I could, the Bucks are the third seed, man. I can't just. I, I give him two. <laughs> I guess the arguable one would be Simmons because he started off super slow this year. Right. So if, if you want to throw Levine in over Simmons, I wouldn't. I wouldn't push back too hard if you if I was going to take somebody off to be Simmons and I throw Levine in there. So the toughest one for me was definitely Julius Randle. I think, in my opinion, leaving him off uh, for Siakam that was the. Um, that was one of the where I just I said okay I'll, I'll I'll give a nod to winning here. There you go. It was like yeah. they're 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 game up right. I think they're game yeah, up. Yeah, they're game over five hundred. So I, I I gave a nod to winning. But if you were to go off play, Randall is definitely all star this year. So right, yeah, I got that was tough, man. I I have no idea why they they just they don't just expand it to to fifteen anyway. Yeah, I see. I see one list leaves a bonus off. I'm like, come yeah, on, you can't do that. They're, they're the fourth seed, right? Fourth seed, you, you can't do that. Come on, man. You can't do that. You can't leave the bonus off. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. All right, moving on. Staying in the East right now. Super hot team. Those Brooklyn Nets, man. They got a six-game winning streak. More importantly, they went on that dreaded West Coast swing. Everybody has to go on this year in the East. They finished it 5-0, beating the Warriors, Kings, Suns, and more impressively, Lakers and Clippers. In this uh, in this run, and man, I just um, actually in this time frame, the defense has improved from 30th to actually 22nd, which has been more that's than good. enough. <laughs> that's what I said. That's, that's might be all they, they, that might be all they need. <laughs> that's why they're winning. Yeah, that, that might that really might be winning. that really might be all they. I think leaning in to those heavy minutes with Bruce Brown at center, I think it, can, it makes him a little more switchable, and you end up that's getting cut. So yeah, just so it's like you gotta. But yeah, man, just what do you see for the Nets? Talked about that early on. Remember, before the year, we said Bruce Brown was one of the better defenders. The hard part would be finding time for him because of all the other guys that they right. to play and play. You know, Durant missing time, but being able to play Bruce Brown has made their defense better as expected. And I'm looking at it; they're not even going with the with the backup center with Claxton when when uh, DeAndre goes out. They go with Brown. Yeah, just they play they play five out. I think that's probably the smartest move as far as I probably I'm sure D'Antoni probably suggested, <laughs> suggested that. Yeah, he's the one who said that. <laughs> no, I am. Um my thing with the Nets, you know, we both raised questions about their defense. As of late, they've shown you know, a minuscule improvement, but it really hasn't mattered with the way they're able to score the basketball, man. Just I know you uh you got off your Milwaukee pick early. Mm-hmm. I'm hanging on by a thread with my 76ers pick to get there. But man, I'm not gonna lie. This uh, it's, it's approaching scary hours, man. When you watch this team play, man. So, what are your thoughts on the Nets right now, so far? 
my thoughts is this. Um, remember when we did this pod to start the year, what did I say? I said KD would be number two in the MVP voting. And I said that the Nets would be the one seed in the East. This was before they got hard, and I said this. I said the Nets would be the one seed in the East. Mm-hmm. Literally, none of this surprises me. Well, okay. Mike D'Antoni, elite offensive players. They got better offensive players. You knew as you knew at some point they were gonna do that switching defense. You know how when Mike D'Antoni went all in on you no, know, let's not play big, let's just play small and switch. The right. Rockets last year, and what happened? They turned their season around. That's basically what the Nets just did to turn their defense around. With better players, though. They say, you know, we're not going to play, overplay DeAndre. We're going to use him when we need a big, but we're going to do Jeff Green, Bruce Brown. We're just going to switch because we have KD, who's seven foot, who can be a somewhat pseudo rim protector when he's there. And we we can gang rebound, switch, make everyone play iso ball. We got way better iso scores than everyone in the league. You get into a jump shooting battle with the Nets, you lost. Against right, what I was in competition with the Nets, you lost. And the regular season is just so easy to fall in love with that because you're really, over the course of regular season, you're really not trying to exert your body to put pressure on the rim. And that's the only Nets weakness that they have. You have to put pressure on the rim and you have to hit the open shots when they have to help when you're attacking the rim. Those are the only, those are the two key ways to beating the Nets. So most nights in the regular season, teams are not going to do that. Like, they're just not going to do that, especially with the the ups and downs and the lows of the regular season. Most guys are not trying to do that. But I will say this as a caution to all the people I see victory lapping right now. <laughs> I'm glad everyone's doing that because now I can get back to my against-the-grain mentality that I'd like to have. <laughs> everyone's, everyone's on the Nets. I've given the Nets their props. I'm not going to downplay the dominance. They look great, 11-1 and one against above 500 teams. Man, that is impressive. And that is impressive, fantastic. man. Fantastic. Winning without KD, winning with KD, it doesn't matter. They look great. But I'm going to caution you guys. Remember, the regular season is not the playoffs. Amen. Every single great team has been pushed in their own conference. Right. Golden State Warriors with KD got pushed by the Rockets. Steph Curry light years got pushed by the Thunder. LeBron in the Heat got pushed by the Pacers, got pushed by the Celtics. You go with the Celtics, they went two series and went game seven before they won the chip. Right, right. The Lakers got pushed by the by the, by Dem, uh, by Melo's Nuggets, you know what I'm saying, and by the Rockets with Aaron Brooks. You know what I mean? And the Suns. Go, and and the, the Suns. Suns. And then you go to the Shaq, Kobe Shaq years, you went seven with the Blazers, you went seven with the Kings. You go to Jordan, you went seven with the Knicks in the first three right. peak, you went seven with the Pacers in the second three peak. Right, right. Boston and Detroit. You go to Magic, he lost to Hakeem in Hakeem's second year. You know what I'm saying? So, like, every single title team has been pushed in the playoffs because at the end of the day, in the playoffs, the team is going to know all the sets you are. They're yep. going to know everything you like to do. They're going to know what to do to, to, to counter your, your what you like to do. And that's when it becomes a game of adjustments. It and that's becomes- that and that is my fear as a guy who picked the 76ers because Doc and Bud are similar. Yep. They're not, they're more so, they're not, we have to change this. <clears throat> they're more so we have to do what we do better. Yep. And that is what scares me as a guy who picked the Sixers to go because I know that's the drastic changes over in a series, that's not Doc's thing. It's not Bud's thing. And I think those are the two most likely teams who are going to put pressure on the rim. And it's I not. Do, and, 
it's not the but it's also not Mac D'Antoni's name. And we don't know about Steve Nash. Very true. So so here's my thing. If you can pressure the rim, if you can keep up with the the Nets in terms of scoring enough inside or hitting your open shots to to win, and you have a good coach that's going to push them, they can get pushed. Now, now we think it's the Sixers and Bucks who have the likely most likely chance because of their roster construction. Look, look, with how Toronto's looked. Yeah, that's that was just gonna say that Miami gets healthy. They have the coaching staff. Yeah. Now they may not have the roster to win, obviously, but they have the coaching staff. And like I, I'll still sell people. I'll still tell people about the Pacers. Those like like I was talking to one of my followers. You can't play the Nets game. They're gonna score on small. They're gonna they're gonna score on big. So you have to take advantage of the mismatch you have. If you know they're going to score on your bigs, that's okay. Because if your bigs can score on them, you're still going to be in the game. So that's how teams have to look at it. And you start out with Ty Lue, he went with Zubak. And that was his adjustment. He went big. Yeah, I want to talk about that for a minute. Like, what – that was weird to me because, you know, the first next game, Clippers game, he went completely small and turned it into a, a firefight. And the Nets are just better at that. They lost. Tonight, you know, they make their big run with Zubak late. And then it's funny – when uh, Nash went back with DeAndre, he pulled Zoo. And then there was a big rebound late. Yes. Zoo wasn't in, and, and DeAndre got it. And that kind of sealed the game. I just, I was kind of confused. And when I was told by, I, I, I talked to, you know, Jamal in LA Clippers film, I, I was like, what happened? He's like, Tyler likes to try stuff. Like, yep. see, see how I it works. I was like, okay. I, I was like, okay, I, I can see that. But yeah, man, you just, you got it. I'm with you. You got to play that team big. Uh, what do what playing big does? A, it's tempo control, so it doesn't yep. get out of control. And the second thing is, it's potential foul trouble for guys. Mm-hmm. They're already not they're not super deep as it is, mm-hmm. so you can get guys in foul trouble. So those are the two things that you have to sway in your favor. Nobody's going to beat that team playing how they play on their turf. It's not going to happen. It's not. No, you're not. You're not going to beat them playing small. Right. You're not going <laughs> to beat them jump shooting. You're just right. not going to do that. Your your biggest thing is to play your bigs to make them gang rebound, make them gang contest shots. And then when you get your open threes, you make your open threes. Yeah, you gotta That's your down. best shot. You're not going to outscore the Brooklyn Nets. And you're also not going to stop them. Like I said, the key points range for the Nets, hold them between, this to hold them from 100 to 115. Yeah, 115. I think you that's can hold the them in that area. They're liable to give up 120 to you if you're doing what you need to do. If you can hold them to 100 to 115, you have a great shot to win. Right, right. So before before we move on, I got to ask, are, are the Nets going to the finals? Did you – we know you got off Milwaukee. Are the Nets going to the finals? Is that your, is that your pick? At, at this point, I'm leaning towards the Nets in the finals because it's the Nets versus the field, and I just don't see anyone from the field. Right. But I do think they will get pushed right. before they go to the finals. But, and I will say, if they lose before the finals – I won't be shocked. Yeah. So, I just don't have them losing. So what you're saying is like the teams that can beat them, you don't know if you have the have the coaches that will make the adjustments. And the coaches that will make the adjustments don't have the, the personnel to right yeah. now. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 one it's, it's, it's a thing where the Nets haven't met the team that has all the ingredients. Right, right, okay. Every team is missing something that completely poses a threat to dethroning them. So therefore I won't I can't see them losing. Therefore, I have them in the finals at this moment. I, however, won't be shocked if, for example, somehow Bud or Doc 
goes on a fire coaching streak and it just clicks <laughs> and they start making all the right moves. And all of a sudden, those teams are up 3-2. Like, I would not be shocked at that point because they do have the roster to win. Or I won't be shocked if, you know, the Pacers are hitting all their open threes and Sabonis is scoring 30 a night. And next thing you know, it's a 3-3 three, three series. I won't be shocked. At right, okay, I got you. So they're going to be pushed. Awesome. They're going to be pushed all the way there. Right, moving on from lights out offense to terrible offense. <laughs> the Lakers uh, are in a lull. A lot of it's attributed to well, – we'll get into what, what, what the factors are. Basically, uh, the Lakers have played 31 games. The last 15, they're dead last in the NBA in three-point shooting at 30.1%. Uh, to keep that in the frame of reference, the leader in the NBA in that time frame is shooting 42%. So, like, it's a big gap. It's a big deal. It's like it's swinging games, essentially. Um, they've hit a little bit of a lull after a hot start. The 21st overall on three-point shooting. Uh, more recently, no no Dennis, no AD the last three games. Dennis was supposed to be back Friday, they said? Yeah. Yeah, just what are you seeing that's making the Lakers struggle offensively right now? And we'll just start from there and go from there. I talk about it with my, one of my mutuals, man. I just think there's not there, – Vogel's not doing good enough with the movement when LeBron and AD have the ball in their hands for one. Um, they're not running proper counter sets or counter movements when guys are in the post. It's too much standing and watching, and it's too easy to help off those dudes. And another problem is they're just holding the ball too long. I mean, LeBron's holding the ball too long. Sometimes, he like, it's too many plays where he's dribbling the ball down like three seconds and he's passing it for a dude to shoot a bailout shot. Like, that's right. just terrible. Right. That's just terrible. Like, you're LeBron. If you're going to do that, you might as well shoot the ball. Like, don't pass it to Trez in the corner for him to shoot a three. Like, what are you doing? Like, that's not that's not good offense. He's And you're killing the clock, so you're killing movement. Like, we, the Lakers have – the Lakers aren't shooting well, but I don't think people understand they have good shooters. The problem is the shooters aren't getting – touching the ball enough. And they're, right. and they're not right. getting into a rhythm because they don't know when their shot is coming because there's no consistency to what the Lakers are doing. Like, there's really not. Um, they don't know when Brown's going to pass it because, you know what I mean? And they don't know, you know, when AD's in there, when AD's going to pass it because the Lakers run a lot of post-ups. To, like, they run a lot of post-ups. I don't know why they're doing that 2021, running the amount of post-ups that they're doing, but they run so much post-ups to Adu, who's never really been a traditional post-up back to the basket players. So I don't know why they try, they keep trying to do that. And then they also run post-ups like to Markeith Morris. They also run yeah, the, yeah, yeah. They were posting up West in the Nets game. Like, it's just too much post-up action that the Lakers keep trying to do, and that's just throwing off the shooters because when they get the ball in the post – First of all, most of those guys outside of Brown don't know how to pass outside the post anyway. Mm. So when the ball goes in the post, the, most shooters are not – if it's not with Brown, most of the shooters are not expecting the ball to come out to them. You know what I mean? So, they, like, they just don't expect the touch. So they're not ready to shoot that ball. And, you know, the way the Lakers run offense with that post and not having the good movement off of it, 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 and it stops them from getting to be able to attempt more threes. Because part of the problem the Lakers are having now is they're not also – they're also not attempting that many threes. And it's not because <clears throat> not because the guys aren't open. It's because, you know, they're not able to get the ball into the hands of the shooters. And, 
you know, it's affecting their confidence of the shooters. Like KCP is getting open threes and he's hesitating. You know, yeah, Kuz, I saw that. That was killing me. I was like, why is he hesitating? Like Kuz, even even with Kuz, who's who likes to shoot threes, even some threes he gets, it's like he's trying to drive it in and push it out. You know, THC's confidence is dwindling by the day. He's trying to he's catching the ball outside. He's not shooting his open shots. He's trying to force it inside. He's forcing too much. So they have to clean up the offensive movement. They have to get easier looks. And like I told you, they have to push the tempo, man. They can't play this slow. Yeah, it's too uh, slow. Yeah, yeah. They can't play this slow. They have to be like last year. They have to be way more opportunistic. I don't know if they cut it down because of the short offseason. I'm pretty sure that's why they cut down the, the fast breaks. And they've only had nine practices to this point. But they have to be more opportunistic, pushing the tempo. Um, and, you know what I mean? And they just have to have more movement. It has to be more movement-oriented. Baron and AD can't dominate the ball as much as they do. Um, they need to get guys in the flow of it. Uh, KCP said that he Bron is doing too much. Um, part of that's on the coaching and part of that is on the stars. They have to trust these other guys too to be involved with more action because you can't, you know, you can't be frustrated that you're doing too much, but every time you get the ball, you're trying to do too much. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, it's, 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 yeah, it's a double, it's a, it's, a, it's a seesaw, it's a, it's a balancing thing. Yeah. Yeah. It, I, it's a couple of things I want to bring up. One, I just agree, agree with you with the shooting. There's no rhythm. Also, guys aren't getting the ball in, in the, in the spots that they're most effective. I think that's, that's yeah. one thing. The second thing for me is the shots aren't as open because without Dennis there lately mm-hmm. and without, without Brian being as, as you know, and as focused on attacking, there's nobody who can, who can bend the defense, right. And make help come to give that cleaner look at a three pointer. Mm-hmm. So it's been, it's been really showing in these non LeBron minutes. Now that Dennis is out, they just don't have anybody that can penetrate. The ball's going side to side to side, and they throw it in the post, and either guy makes a player that's like the offensive rating when LeBron and Dennis are off the floor, it's it's like it's putrid. I forgot the numbers. It's just it's not it's not very good. It's so terrible. I mean, that's the two things. You don't have guys that can bend the defense. I think uh it's put a lot of pressure on THT where it's gone from whatever you do is kosher to okay, we kind of need you to produce now. Yeah. And he just hasn't been able to answer the bell. These lads, the last couple weeks, kind of been a slump. So hopefully that that can change. And just like I said, I, I tell you this: you guys have to stop complaining about Dennis now. You see what he does <laughs> to like the complaints about his offense. I was like, you live with that because he is an attacker. He puts the defense on its on its heels, and they just don't have that right now. Like they miss him a lot. Like with with even without AD, if you have Dennis. You can tread water in some games because you have somebody else who can take pressure off LeBron and LeBron can pick his spots to put his will on the game when necessary. And without Dennis, I saw the first inkling of LeBron being fatigued this season, that Miami yep. game. He was yep. done that was last done. four months of Miami game. He was just done. So that's, that's why I am with it. And I, t- and I told people that when I said that's why Dennis is starting – because right. people, for some reason, just don't register in their head that LeBron is 36. And uh, just having him try to dictate everything all the time, one, it's too predictable, as you see, which is why the offensive rating sucks. It's too predictable. And two, it makes him fatigued. And it then starts to affect his overall game. And Especially on where, defense. The, deep, the defense of the left, yeah. <laughs> so that's where Dennis comes in. 
And Dennis, and I'm glad because we're gonna we were gonna talk about Dennis, so I'm gonna get into it. So Dennis does two important things for the Lakers. And these are two important things that are very important now that the Nets are doing what they're doing. So these are two important that things that matter when it's gonna if it comes to a potential finals game with the Nets. Dennis puts all guards in their proper defensive uh role. You know, look, y'all. I know we love Caruso. I know everyone was trying to push that propaganda to say he's better than Patrick Beverly. No, he is not. He has limitations on offense. He, you know, he's a great team defender, great help defender. He's not somebody who you can rely on to shut someone's water off. He can, in the right scheme, if AD's behind him, he's playing off certain dudes, he can do be that guy to use his anticipation, use his IQ, use his activities, energy to shut some folks' water off. But he's not somebody who you can say, we have no other defenders on the floor. Go over there, fight through every screen, and stick to that dude's hip. Right. That's not Caruso. That's Dennis Schroeder because Dennis Schroeder has elite foot speed. Man. His foot is some of the best foot speed in the league right now. That's why he can play up so tight because he knows most often or not he's not getting beat off the dribble where he can't recover at the least. And that's why he's able to fight through so much screens because, one, he's small and he's slim, so he can slither around contact. And he's also, like I said, he's very fast, has very quick foot speed. That puts the Lakers' defense in a great spot in the pick and roll. You saw what happens when a guy can fire over a screen and he can set his position. When you saw Wes on Jimmy, him and Gasol were blowing up that pick and roll with Bam and Jimmy because of the positioning that Wes was doing. Was incredible. It was incredibly synced in with what Gasol was doing with Gasol's IQ. Right. So Russ was falling over the screen, staying on Jimmy's head, making that pass to uh, Bam tough, and then Gasol was perfectly playing the bat passing lane and the and the rim with his positioning, because positioning is more important than you know athletic ability in defense. Positioning yes. IQ is way more important because you stop shots from getting thrown up, which is way more valuable than always trying to contest everything. So. That's that's what Dennis brings. He brings that tenacity on ball, and he does he does a great job of doing it without fouling. Yeah, like, that's incredible. That's the difference between him and Bradley. Bradley was a hack. You know? <laughs> Dennis doesn't foul people most off, most often. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we take it to the offensive side of ball. Like you see what the Nets do. They switch everything. So they they like Brown said they get you to bait you into doing an ISO ISO game. The thing with Dennis, he he's an elite switch buster. Yes. There's a reason why teams, when Dennis has the pick and roll teams, decide to go under and make him shoot floaters and make him shoot threes. Because the last thing you want to do is to get switched off your quick athletic guard to a slower wing or a slow big or power wing. And then he's beating them off the dribble to the rim free run because they have no speed to recover on it. Absolutely. So Dennis is an elite switch buster, which is Perfect for a team like the Nets. And like I said, put pressure on the rim. Dennis is going to do that. He's going to draw and help this defense. And if you just hit your open shots. And if he passes you and you have an open shot, if you hit it, that's consistent offense. There's a reason why when Braun and Dennis are there, even if the offense is kind of wonky, they're still going to find a way to score 100 because those guys are just good offensive players. They make people better. They get people in rhythm. Dennis, when he's on and Braun's off, he ups the pace. So that's also better for other Laker guys like Kuz, like Caruso. He's up in the pace for them to get better looks on the run. So it's just so much value. Like this stretch is really showing 
people who were t- bad now to him, what I was trying to tell them, because I've watched Dennis for five years, so I was trying to tell them this, but like I said, in these times, and that's why I like that, you know, I'm, I'm sad that 80s hurt, but this is the time where you as a Laker fan, you need to see who actually has the goods. You need to see who is going to be there when the chips are down because, look. It's a playoff tryout. It's a playoff tryout <laughs> because, look, y'all bring up the bubble. I'm telling you right now, the Clippers, number one, are better than what they were last year. They have way better pieces that they can use to adjust in the series. And, and they, they will have, adjust, and they will they, adjust this year. They have Ty Lue. Then you also have the Suns, who are sneaky dark horse. They got a lot of good pieces there. You never know what happened with them. The Jazz are playing lights out basketball. And then you have KD, Kyrie, James Harden, all on the same team. Like, I'm sorry, this is a different level of competition this year. Stop bringing up the bubble, bro. You ain't lying. Different level of competition this year. You need all the elite dudes on your team you can get. Like, so if you're a Laker fan, you should be happy with one thing. You should be happy with Kuzma. He's I was just going to say that. I was just, Before we moved on, I would say we have to give Kuzma his flowers Kuzma. over the last few weeks. Man. Our, the whole season in general, man. He's you his energy, to. both ends, find a way to be effective without the ball in his hand. You just We have to give flowers for guys who are just doing everything to win. And AD, step, AD goes down, he steps up. Right, that's, right. That's where you find your winning players. When, when stars go down, who's going to – when stars are going down, when stars are having a bad game, who's that guy who's going to fill in the void? That's yeah. who you need to look for. And you want to – you, yeah, you, you want the Lakers to kind of figure it out and get going because it's like they had they had that cushion beforehand. Now it was down about a two, two-and-a-half game cushion. And the next four games, you got the Jazz – you got the Blazers, you got the Warriors, and you got the Suns before the break. I think the Wizards are tomorrow, but that those are the four mm-hmm. games. And the Wizards have won four out of the last five all of a sudden. They went, yeah, so, they went like, that, that, that tomorrow's game is not going to be without Dennis. That game is not going to be a cakewalk by any means, and the Wizards mm-hmm. push the pace. So, mm-hmm. Lakers are going to have to be ready to defend. I say all this, the Lakers are the number one defense in basketball still with those guys out. They defend incredibly. You just want to see the offense get going to where you just don't want any kinks in the armor heading to the stretch around the season. You want to be flowing on both sides of the court. Uh, you don't want to have the Lakers to fall into that, you know, three, four, where you end up having a, you don't want to have to face the Suns in the first round in the four or five matchup or, you know what I'm saying? Mm. Something crazy like that where the Lakers can do it because they're so good, but just making the road a little less easier than it, than you want it to be. You know, if that makes sense, you don't want to have to go through a gauntlet and then on top of that, okay, we got to play the Brooklyn Nets now after the right. two, three, six-game series, right? That's not how you want to kind of want to do it. So I don't think the, the, the coup said it. The Lakers don't care about seeding. But as fans, you look at things like, yeah, but you'd rather play, you know, Denver and <laughs> like that opposed yeah. to – you're, you're, you're not trying to go Phoenix, Clippers, Sun, uh, Jazz. Right, that's what I'm saying. That's uh, what I'm saying. Nets. Come on now. You don't want to do that. Right, right. So – Moving on, uh, you saw the end of the. I'm sure by now you've seen that what happened at the end of the the, the, the Warriors uh, Hornets game, right? Yeah, man, that was nuts. So for those of y'all know, quick refresher: Warriors are up to. There is a hassle for a jump ball. Uh, Draymond thinks it's a tie up. Ref gives Hornets a timeout. Draymond goes ballistic, gets two techs. Hornets tie it up. And then they get the ball. They win the game at the buzzer. 
I want to attack this from two fronts because a Draymond 10 year vet champion, you know, this year, every win means that much more in the West with the play in mm-hmm. scenario. You can't do that. So let's start there. What, what were your takeaway about with Draymond doing it? That was nuts. I, I hadn't seen that in a while. Like that was Dennis Rodman esque. <laughs> It's just totally uncalled for. Yeah. <laughs> so man, some somebody some somebody has to talk to Draymond in that organization. <laughs> He's doing too much. I like Draymond. I like that. You know, it's no secret. I like Draymond. I like what he's done over the years. I like what he stands for in terms of his defensive nasty being undersized and finding ways to be effective on offense, even though he has limitations. So I respect what he's done, but I'm sorry, bro. He's talking too much this year to be doing what he's doing. He's not scoring. He's not. He's struggling to score over five points. Man, I just I got and to the point. He, I have. You're right because I have been fantasy basketball and I can use the, the assists are helping me. But I was like, bro, could you please get more than just five points a game? You're killing more, me. Bro. He's not scoring more than five points a game, and he's going to the podium every night talking like he's the greatest ever. It's not. It's not a good look, and especially when you come down to. I mean, you were up to, and you literally just gave the game away. Man, that, that was crazy. You just gave the game away after you fought your butt off without your best player. You fought your butt off to get a hard-fought win that was going to help you because you gave your best player a rest, and you were about to win a game without him, and you just gave it away. Like, it's it's nothing to be said about that. Somebody has to talk to him. Somebody has to talk to this guy. Yeah, it, to, to be fair... I thought the jump ball call, I thought the timeout call was awful. There was a 50-50 ball. Mm-hmm. You got to toss up again. I'll say that because, you know, we're, then, then we're going to segue into the next second half of this. Like, we all agree. Most of the people think that the call was sus. But you just, at that point, okay, the score is here. We're still up two, right? <laughs> Let's defend this timeout and go home. Instead, you go ballistic, two techs, tie game, and then the team is done after that mentally, of course. Rozier gets loose three-pointer game like I just you you just can't do that and it's crazy like these blow-ups the one with you know KD there obviously a couple years ago and this one it all happens when Steph isn't present like it feels like (laughs) for some reason it feels like Steph is the one that okay Draymond you got to calm down right it feels like that's the guy who can get through to him a little bit and the other part about this if you're the Warriors I want to ask you this how long do you deal with this with the law of diminishing return? Because it used to be, that's Draymond, but he's defensive player of the year. He's 12 points, seven assists, eight rebounds. He's going to carry the offense at times, facilitate, but he's, he's not even averaging half that. So as an organization, what's your approach with him as far as you know, dealing with his next steps? Like, that's the tough part here. I'll tell you this right now, and this is probably, I mean, based on how you view LaMelo's offensive ceiling to Wiseman's defensive ceiling. This might have been why they drafted Wiseman. Ah, that's what a couple of guys said, a couple of people who are close to the Warriors said that. This might have been why they drafted Wiseman because this dude might be on his way out. If, you know, if they're in a position where they can compete, they have the Wolves pick, they can find a way to dump his contract with the Wolves pick and get a, you know, a, a, you know, a player who's going to be in the rotation as a return. And you know what I mean? So they get off his deal, they get a good rotation player, and, and you know, they have more flexibility. 
and their offense isn't as handicapped. If yeah, he doesn't change his ways, he, he there's the there's no contract in the NBA that can't be moved. Right. And we, saw that, to, we saw that this offseason with Westbrook and Wong. We saw this offseason. There's no contract that can't be moved. And when you have a pick like the Wolves pick, you can definitely move any contract you want. So and real quick before we move on, you're a well, you're you're a Wolves fan. That's that's your home team. Um, that's your home. You're not from Minnesota, but that's the squad you like. My, my fault. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. So that pick is top three protected, right? Yeah, it's top three protected. Right, right. So how do you feel about the just breaking literally 15 minutes before we were about to record? We got the news that they fired their coach and brought in Chris Finch, who actually is pretty highly regarded offensively. Right. So real quick before y'all don't even have time to, to read anything or look about it, what do you think about the coaching stage real quick? I, I think it's, it shows that we're actually trying to get serious, yeah. trying to have an identity, trying to do something, uh, trying to have some structure because we don't have any. Um, <laughs> we have a unicorn center, but we have guards like Beasley thinking that they should get more shots than our franchise player. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, and, and Edwards somehow is getting less shots than Rubio and Beasley. And Nuts. when he goes there, he does whatever he wants. So we need some type of structure. And I'm glad they're making some attempts to be a, a basketball franchise, to say the least. Because that's crazy. Yeah, I remember uh, a lot of people are, keep saying, and I agree with it. Ownership is the foundation of good organizations. People are trying to push Glenn Taylor to move the team. I know KG was interested in possibly buying the team, but you know Taylor's not selling, obviously. <clears throat> so we'll see what happens, man. But the Wolves have too much young talent to not turn that into something that we can watch happily on the court, man. It's ridiculous. They, they shouldn't be that bad with Cat on the team, man. Should not at all, but they don't know what they're doing right now. But it looks like they're trying to correct it. Yeah, right. It looks like they're trying to correct it. So last thing, last topic. You know, we try to stay away from this, but it is hard. It is a part of the game. This year, the the NBA officiating has really been an eyesore. It happened again uh, tonight. You got a great game between two heavyweights. Uh, Kawhi and Harden, they're both physical players, right? They're both physical players. They're going. Harden's kind of uh, riding Kawhi the whole. Kawhi, he extended the elbow. I'm not going to say he didn't. He extended the elbow. Right, he extended. Uh, finishes it. Ref waves it off. It would have been to OT. Ref waves it off. Offensive foul. It's just a long, another one in a long line of stuff that even the Draymond call was wrong. You know, Draymond overreacted. That call was wrong, giving them the time out there. Just, what do you, is is it the, no no fans there? So they're, they're more, they're calling more ticky-tack stuff because they're they're more focused or what what is it with these referees this season? It seems like this is a little worse than what we're used to. I think somebody made a good point in that they're not calling it by the rules or they're not calling it uh, trying to interpret the point of attack or the point of contact or where the point of where the foul happened. They're calling it based off reactions. Yeah, that, yeah. That's, that's what it looks like the refs are doing. So, like, on one hand, you have Kawhi get drive to the rim. He barely gets touched, and he's getting free throws. This was, I think, to tie the game. Yeah, but he, he snaps barely, his head back, right, buddy, because he snaps yeah, his he, head back. He snaps his head back, barely gets touched, he goes to the rim. I'm like, I've seen Brian get smacked completely, you know, head, arm, whatever, but he's getting no calls. He's waving it off, and he's crying like he always does, but you're waving off clear contact, but Kawhi snaps his head back. I would say he's going to the foul. But it's funny because then right at the end of the game, he's actually getting hacked by Harden. <laughs> and he's doing his job to fight it off, not flop. But because Harden flopped, right. now it's on the offensive <laughs> foul. So you, see, so you see what I'm saying? They're literally just looking for how you're reacting. They're not even looking to see what's actually going on. Right. 
if Harden doesn't flop, they don't call an offensive foul. Yeah, yeah, so, right, right. That makes sense. It's just, I think the main thing. I think we both, the foundation of what we both just said is just there's no consistency. A lot of it is you know who the player is, right? Uh, you know, I, I watched a lot of Pelican games. Zion's not flopping yet, but I'm telling you, he's about to start because <laughs> because he's getting to say he's getting he's really getting that like the shack of bodies, the undercut and bumps. And because he doesn't flop, the refs are just like, oh, well, you know, he's, what did, didn't affect him. Let's just play on. And mm-hmm. I think that's a slippery slope when you start refereeing that way because guys have different levels of strength and, and the different body types, right? So it's different. I think it's the same thing with LeBron. The refs are like, well, it didn't affect him, so I'm not going to call it. When the other guy snaps his head back, well, that affected him. Let's call that. Yeah. And I, I agree with you. Uh, my thing with the complaining is with LeBron's like, that's fine. Work the refs because they're workable. Just don't do it mid-play. <laughs> Just don't do it while Miami is running a fast break the other way. Dead ball, though, stay on the rest behind because they need to hear that, that, hey, I'm getting fouled. I'm trying not to flop here, but you're making it hard for me because you're not calling the stuff that's that's happening to, happen to me all game. So hopefully – I hope I, I believe it gets fixed before the player. Your playoffs are usually sending the highest grade of reps out for the games. So hopefully in the playoffs, that changes. But just, I think people have some uh... – some, uh, uh, you know, objections to that with uh, Scott Foster. Scott Foster. <laughs> I know. I, 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 Tony Brothers, man. All right, I knew the names you was going to use. I already knew the names you was going to say. So what you say? I knew you was going to say Scott Foster. <laughs> the generational he, talents, man. <laughs> he, 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 he might be grandfathered in, man. He might just be, he might be grandfathered in as the OG. Hey, we need we need this series to go extra game, man. Give, give that guy two fouls early on. He be racist. <laughs> that if something gets called, or, uh, I have no way everybody's just getting letting everybody play. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, man. So hopefully, I guess, hopefully it gets better for the playoffs, man. But it's just, uh, if we notice the referees out there, that's not a good look. They're supposed to be mm-hmm. as invisible as possible. Let the players decide the games. Hopefully that starts to change as we get more into the, you know, deeper into the season where these games start to mean more, these playoff races, you know, the home court advantage. It looks like they're trying to avoid a bubble for the playoffs. So teams mm-hmm. are going to be traveling in the playoffs. So these games mean that much more. So hopefully it starts to change. Um, whew. Man, these reps got to get better. That, that, that yeah, that's, it's, been all, it's been all time bad this season. Right, it's really right. bad. Do me a favor, guys. Follow it's Kingsborough on Twitter, myself yes, as well. Sir. JJ Maples 55 underscore MST. Hit follow and subscribe on the podcast. Temple of Who. We are on Google Podcasts. We are on Spotify. We are on iTunes. Click on that button. Give us feedback, whether it be on a review or on a timeline. We usually respond. If you got something yep. you want to talk about, go ahead and you'll message one of us. We'll bring it up. We appreciate all the feedback you guys. Trust me, man. The viewership is going up by the week. We appreciate you guys. So much for tapping in. Can you anything to see since we get out of here, bro? Yeah, I just appreciate all the love everybody's been showing us for this podcast. Um, just you know, engaging with us on the on, on the timeline. Those who are you know respectful, keep it respectful with the hoop. Uh, you know, some guys who I who I used to get into it, you know, back before, you know, I, I noticed we we becoming mutuals. I think that, you know, people are listening to this podcast and understanding, you know. Timeline banter is timeline banter, but you know it's just who talk. At the end of the day, we 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 keep it respectful. Yeah, I think we me we building a bridge. You know, we got a lot of people on the other side, and I'm so <laughs> I think we, <laughs> we 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 closing the gap, man. We building the bridge. Anyway, man, you guys tap in with the pod. You guys be safe. 
Take care of your loved ones. See you next week. We are out of here. Yes, sir. See Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.